0: night Jamie Ben, and he covers
1: up. Eight oh two on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari Family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Corey Schneider is going to join us in a moment here to kick off Hour 3. Hour 3 of Halpert and Brough featuring Jamie Dodd, I might add. Uh, hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound.
0: Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You all know our next guest very well. He is the former Vancouver Canucks goalie
1: turned broadcaster with MSG and NHL Network. Corey Schneider joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Corey. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. How about you guys?
1: Uh, We are well as well. Thanks for taking the time to do this today. We appreciate it. Big day in Vancouver. It is Boa Palooza. It is Horvat's return for the first time to Rogers Arena. This time, of course, as a member of the New York Islanders. And we thought, let's get Corey Schneider on because although you and Bo were never teammates, uh, you are now essentially forever linked to Horvat, given the famous draft day trade back in 2013. What do you remember about that particular moment in time? And what's it like being forever linked with a guy that you never even really played with.
2: Uh, well, for that matter, I, I only met him for the first time a couple weeks ago in Washington. when I was calling a game down there. there I met go. him after the morning skate. So we said hi to each other in person. I'd seen him on the ice before, but never had a chance to talk to him off the ice. So, uh, yeah, it's funny, you know, it, it, it was a big deal, obviously back then, uh, 10 years ago now. And, uh, you know, for me, it was something that I wasn't expecting at all. It's, it's been well documented. I, I was expecting to stay in Vancouver. So the, the trade was absolutely surprise to me. And, um, you know, flattering to get traded for the ninth overall pick. That's a, that's a good return for a goalie, especially, but, uh, you know, again, I don't think Bo and I have ever compared ourselves to one another. I know everyone else will. And that, you know, the, the trade tree that comes from that, but, um, you know, you never want to see a guy fail or not do well. So it's been great to see him have a good career. And, uh, now he's with my Islanders, my most recent team, the team I'm technically working for with MSG. So, um, you know, he's, he's brought a good element to that team and given a little more depth up front and some scoring, which they need.
0: Yeah. What have you seen that, uh, Horvat has brought to the Islanders and how has he fit on that roster since, uh, since he was acquired?
2: Well, they have a, a good, they have good center depth between Barzell and Nelson and Zizekas and Paggio. So I think he just added to that and he was able, uh, he allowed, you know, Barzi to shift over the wing there where maybe he can use his creativity and his passing his vision a little bit more, but um, you know, he haven't quite seen it yet, but, you know, for the power play, he's, he's become a threat in that bumper spot, which he was in Vancouver for so long. And, um, you know, may not have the shooting percentage he did last year to start the year when he was pumping him in. But um, he definitely gives him another scoring threat, which, again, for the Isles, they're, they're so good defensively and they have a lot of good depth. But they need guys who can, uh, you know, finish consistently. And I think uh, Bo is one of those guys who can do that once he gets going. And he's had a few nights where he's he's shown that.
0: Yeah. I mean, scoring, it's uh, it's such a need as well for the Islanders and the shooting and the finishing ability that Horvat has, you know, from a team perspective, still a bit of a struggle to score goals this year. Does it just come down to that's the personnel and, you know, they're not they're going to be successful by playing uh, defensively sound or are there things that you think they could do to maybe juice the offense a little bit more?
2: Yeah, it's interesting watching them because they're nice where They're going and they're feeling it. I think they're a team that has, like I said, it's a it's a depth team, so they need depth scoring. So if, uh, you know, if one line's not going or two lines aren't going, it's harder for them to manufacture goals. They don't have as many straight up game breakers. Uh, they're more of a grind you down, you know, puck possession sort of dictate the tempo of the game. They're going to win a lot of games 3-2 and 4-3. They're not going to win a lot 6-1, six, 6-2. Six, so, um, you know, I, I think adding bow gives them a guy who can score. Barzee is obviously a bit of a game-breaker. Brock Nelson, I think, is one of the more underrated players in the league. Um, but, you know, again, on any given night, if, if they're executing and moving the puck crisply, they play faster. Um, if, they don't, if they're not playing quick enough, then it, it can bog things down a little bit for them offensively. So I think that's been their struggle the last few games. I think they've lost four or five in a row now is that, uh, you know, they've been stuck on one or two goals. And in this, this league, this day and age, it's hard to win that way. Uh, but, you know, it's a team that's comfortable in those games. They don't mind being in those 2-1, 3-2 games. Uh, They've just got to make sure they're ahead of it and, you know, playing with the lead and not, not trying to chase from behind because it can be a challenge for them to manufacture offense on an instant. You know, they need to sort of, like I said, use the entire game to get momentum and, and create that offense from the entire group.
1: So you mentioned that you spent time at the end of your career with the Islanders organization. So you're obviously familiar with a large portion of this current group. What's it been like going from playing on the team to covering the team as a member of the media?
2: (laughs) Strange. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm part of the media, to be honest. You know, the first game I called um, was in Columbus and usually you walk in the arena and go left towards the dressing rooms, which I've done my entire life. And this time I kind of got steered right into the media room and I kind of was face to face with all the reporters I've dealt with in my entire career between New Jersey and New York. So it was a little bit, not awkward, not awkward for them or anything, but uh, just definitely a difference. So, um, but it's fun. It, it's a good way for me to stay involved in the game, to stay on top of uh, what's happening in the league. You know, it's something, like I said, I didn't want to be uh, super busy. My first year of retirement, I've been gone a lot, so I wanted to make sure I was around for my family and just to relax and enjoy life. But, you know, doing a couple of games a month, doing some NHL Network a few nights a month, uh, it gives me a perfect balance of staying busy enough while while keeping on top of the league in the game because it just changes so dramatically. Um, you know, I remember I was in NHL Network opening night with Chicago and they put the lineup up with the Bedard and I didn't know four or five of the guys in the lineup. So, you know, it's even just one year removed. You got to stay current on everybody. If you want to make this a, uh, uh, you know, recurring thing. So we'll see, you know, I enjoy it. Um, I'm getting better. I'm learning every time I do it, but you know, it's not something I'm not sure I want to do forever for a while. So it's just sort of a good, good feeling out process to see if this is the path I want to take.
1: Right. Cause one of the big differences is that a media member, you know, you've, <laughs> you don't have to be critical, but you do have to be critical because you have to point out when, players are playing well you also have to point out when players aren't playing well so like for example right now uh Anders Lee is having a real tough go of it for the Islanders he's got one goal through 14 games this year and this is a guy that if you're a, a hockey pool uh, fanatic over the last few years he's you pencil him in for 28 goals for some reason he always hits 28 goals I don't know why but he can he can find the back of the net and he scored 41 year as well uh, what's it like watching again, a former teammate go through the kind of struggles he's going through, knowing that he's had a lot of success scoring the puck previously in his NHL career.
2: Yeah. And I, I think as, you know, once you're part of the media, it, it drives not necessarily to be critical, but it's to be honest, it's to see it, how you, you know, call it how you see it. And uh, you can do that without being too critical, I think. And, and for Anders, you know, having gotten to know him, he'll be the first one to tell you that, that he wants to be able to produce more. He, he'll tell you that right away. Um, you know, he's been a big power play guy over his career and they haven't necessarily uh, been as efficient on the power play the last few years. So that probably eats away at a few and uh, they kind of bounce him around a little bit. He's been on the first line, he's been on the third line. So I think sometimes that lack of continuity is hard for a player to get into a rhythm and, um, you know, get in, get to your game. And, and his game is going to the net, winning, winning pucks in the four check, uh, coming up with those 50, 50 battles and then grinding it out near the net and getting some pretty greasy goals that uh, not a lot of guys are willing to do. So, You know, unfortunately, I think that style of play it it can lead to some you know times where the puck's just not finding you around the net. And uh, again, I I know Anders really well, and you can't measure what he brings to that group in terms of being the captain, his leadership, the way he's able to navigate you know losing streaks or or ruts for guys. So you know, I know fans don't necessarily want to hear about the the off ice character or what guys bring to the room. They want to see goals and stats, and uh, I understand that. But uh, he's an integral part of that room, so everyone's you know behind him, everyone's rooting for him, no one's down on him at all he's probably being harder on himself than anybody. So, you know, again, and, and sometimes it can be streaky. So, you know, he may rip once he gets one, you know, you'll watch him get four or five in the next, you know, five or six games. So um, again, I, he doesn't want to be in this position. I know that for a fact, but uh, he's not going to change the way he plays. He's not going to try to do something different or be something he's not in order to manufacture offense. He's still going to try to play the right way. And, once they start coming, they'll start coming.
0: One of the real bright spots for the Islanders this year, Corey, has been the play of Noah Dobson on the blue line. 24 years old, leads the team in scoring, actually, as a as a defenseman. And, you know, there's so many good young defensemen in the NHL right now. I, I feel like sometimes Noah Dobson flies under the radar, but he's been right around that 50-point mark the last couple of seasons. For fans out here who maybe don't get a chance to watch him on a regular basis, what's making him so successful right now for the Islanders?
2: Yeah, and I think it's a couple of things. Obviously, just the natural maturation and development curve of, of defensemen. It takes a little bit longer, especially for young D-men to, to create offense and become comfortable doing that. Um, the Anders played a system for a long time where the D were not necessarily encouraged to jump up in the play, to lead the rush, to do those kind of things. I think the last couple of years under Lane Lambert, uh, he's been encouraging that more. We need more offense from our defensemen. We need you joining the rush, being that fourth guy. So I think Noah's taken full advantage of that. But, yeah, part of it's just maturity, physical development. He's becoming more and more confident uh, by the week, it seems like, and I think that's what it is. He's been more assertive shooting the puck. He's shooting with a purpose. He's looking for sticks. He's looking for tips. He's not afraid to let it go and and you know uh, try to pass up opportunities to shoot the puck. So again, young right hand defenseman with his size and skating ability, six four, you know two ten, two fifteen around there. He's still got some room to fill out. Those guys don't grow on trees, especially ones who can put up fifty plus points. So uh, I think he's leading the team in scoring, if not right around the team lead, which is huge. And again, for a team that scores by committee and uses their depth, they need their defensemen contributing and. He's definitely been the bright spot back there, just just leading to more offense. So they're going to need him to continue to do that.
1: We're speaking to a former Vancouver Canucks goalie, Corey Schneider here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Corey now a analyst for NHL Network and MSG Networks. And uh, I do want to talk about what happened in the previous couple of games at home where chants of Fire Lambert rang out uh, most recently in a loss 4-1 to the Washington Capitals at UBS Arena. That was on Saturday night. Uh, The chant got some play nationally and so did what Casey Zekas had to say because he was very blunt in his assessment and said you know if fans are going to do that we'd rather they not be here they might stay home uh where's the level of discontent that you're hearing from the fan base right now that they're chanting these things at games and that they're not happy with the recent run of form from the islanders
2: yeah it's unfortunate um the Islanders are such a passionate fan base just from the dynasty in the 80s and all the cups they won then and uh, you've created this, this group of die-hard, extremely loyal and passionate fans. So I think that's a great thing. I think you'd rather your fans care than not care. Um, it's been tough. I think, you know, they had those two conference finals runs in the COVID year and the year after, one that I was a part of with the taxi squad. So I think that gave a lot of people some encouragement, some hope, and then uh, to, you know, miss the playoffs the following year and then get eliminated in the first round last year. It feels like a step backwards, I think, to the fans, and um, it's, it's tough because, you know, I think that the organization has kept the status quo. They've wanted to keep the same group of guys around. They've they're in a spot where they can't make a lot of changes so you know i think as a fan if you don't see results you want change and the easiest change in most parts is the coach um where i don't think that's very fair though i, I think I, you know having played under lane uh, i think he's a great communicator i think he's very detailed and, and organized um but you know again like i said and for casey as well that's it's one of the tightest knit groups of guys i've seen in, in the league you know vancouver was one early in my career and then to come into that group who's been together a lot of them for you know five ten years they've played together and they've been an Islander. So I think they take that very seriously and they're very protective of one another. So, look, you know, are the fans going to appreciate what Casey said? Maybe not. But I, you know, I applaud him. We always want players to speak their minds and speak the truth. We get annoyed when hockey players give you the generalities and the platitudes. So he actually said something. And so if people are offended by that, then so be it. It means he cares and he's passionate in defense of his team and his coach. So, you know, you got to you got to produce results. So I think that's part of it. Um you know, so they're in a spot here right now where they they need to go on a bit of a run. They, they've had this losing streak. Uh, it gets late pretty quickly in the NHL. You never know, knows by American Thanksgiving. If you're not in it, you're not likely to be. So, uh, it's it's a proud group that sticks together. So I'm hoping that they can uh, go on a little bit of run here. And sometimes getting away from that, going on the road on a long road trip. Uh, away from the arena, away from the fans. We don't have that pressure from them. uh, can be a good thing. So hopefully they can start to accrue some points here on the rest of this trip.
0: One of the things we're consistently used to seeing from the Islanders is excellent, excellent goaltending, you know, often from Ilya Sorokin, but this year, and especially recently, it's been more of a split in the crease with uh, Varlamov getting a lot of run and playing really, really well. What are you seeing from the goaltending duo uh, for the Islanders right now?
2: I mean, I, I think they're tremendous having worked and played with both of them the last few years, uh, Elian, for my money, is the top three goalie in the league, hands down. Just just talent-wise, mentality, uh, skill level, I, I think he's he's right up there. It's incredible, the stuff he does. And Barley's been around forever. He's been rock solid his entire career. He's had some stretches of greatness and really good play and uh, couldn't be a better you know, 1B to, to Soroki's 1A. They're good friends, both Russians, so I think they help each other in that way. Um, but, you know, Barley had some great play. I called two of the games this year on the road where he had shutouts. And, as I said, it gets late early, so if Coach thinks that, hey, I need to win this one now, then they might go with the guy who is a little bit hotter or playing, playing really well. And sometimes they've done that for Varley, but um, you know, Soroki's numbers aren't what you might think they should be. Um, that's been another issue with the group is they haven't quite defended at the level they're used to. They've been given a lot of chances and a lot of good scoring chances. So I think there's some nights, uh, you know, he's given up three or four, but he's actually kept it, you know, kept it at that number as opposed to not playing well. So um, they're too good to not go on a run here. Like I said, steal some games. So, uh, and I'm not too worried about the goaltending, but, you know, this is one of the first games, like last night in Edmonton, was one of the first times they had Mayfield and Pellick in the lineup together because Mazie got hurt early and then Pellick got hurt right when Mazie came back. So, again, their defensive depth isn't 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 elite. Their top six is really good, but they don't have a lot behind that necessarily. So I think for them to have a full group on the back end is going to make a big difference.
0: Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned the, uh, the defending in front of Sorokin in particular so far this year and, and here in Vancouver, Thatcher Demko and Casey DeSmith both having fantastic starts to their season in the crease. And, and one of the things that Rick talk has talked about is really trying to make sure they improve the structure and the environment in front of the goalies one, because it just makes it easier for them to make saves, but also as a way to keep the guys fresh throughout the season. If they're not having to work as hard, uh, on a, uh, you know, on a nightly basis with what the defense is giving up from a goalie's perspective, how much does it change, you know, everything about how you play, how you prepare when you are playing in front of a really defense or behind a really defensively sound, responsible, structured team.
2: Uh, It makes a big difference that, you know, again, as a goalie, all you can do is react. You can't, you can't be proactive. You can't go out there and throw a body check. You can't make a play. You have to wait and sit and see what comes to you. And that's, Heavily reliant on the system and the players in front of you, you you basically have to react to what they give you. So, um, I think part of it too is when you come to the rink every night and you're sort of guessing. You say, I have no idea what I'm going to see tonight. I could see 50 shots with 10 backdoors. I could see 20 shots with no real great A's. That can be hard. It can be hard on a goalie mentally to come into a game and not know what to expect. I think when you have that consistency and that structure, it gives you a little bit of a sense of calm. Say, okay, look, you know, I'm going to see my 30 or 35. And if I make a handful of grade A's, especially early in the game, my team's going to settle in and we're going to get to our game and we're going to be okay. I think that can give you a little bit of predictability in an unpredictable position. So, um, yeah, for me, it's massive. I think there are very few goalies who can transcend the system in front of them, that regardless of what's happening in front of them, they're still going to be very good. And those are those top three to five goalies in the league. And that's why you see sort of the randomness and the variability of goaltending every year is you're heavily reliant on how the guys in front of you are playing. So, clearly, Thatcher's been playing great in Vancouver. Um, But I think, again, some of that is predictability, getting some offense, playing with leads, not always chasing the game, uh, and where you're giving up more chances as you try to chase. I think all that goes into, I think, creating a more predictable and structured unit in front of you.
1: Uh, Corey, before we let you go, I'm going to throw you on the spot a little bit here. As a decorated international uh, goalie, you know, we represented the U.S. multiple different levels uh, and won a variety of different medals while doing it. Um, I got to ask you, if you had to pick who would be your number one lock one game winner takes all U S versus Canada. The U S needs to pick a goalie for one game right now. Current form. Who are you taking in goal? Is it Hellebuck? Is it Ottinger? Do you want to play to the local fan base and pick Thatcher Demko? If you had to pick right now, because there's a lot of good American goalies right now and a lot of them in form. Who's your guy at this moment?
2: That's a really good question. A tough question. Um, cause you know, you, you can't play all three at once. And, Quick side note, all three of those guys are Hockey East guys, kind of Boston College, where I came from. uh, Hockey East is a little bit of a goalie factory these days. But, uh, you know, I love the way Thatcher's playing this year. Um, His track record of the last couple years gives me a little little hesitancy. Um, Hellebuck's been elite for a long time. I might go with Ottinger, to be honest, just the younger. um, You know, I like his game a lot, and I, I like the other two guys quite a bit as well it's not a knock on them. It's really hard to make that decision on the spot, but I might go Ottinger just based on the way he played and the way he's played in the playoffs the last couple of years. Um, I think it would be a good spot for him to play in that big game.
1: Uh, And finally, before we let you go, uh, let us know and the listeners know about the new podcast of Brian Boyle.
2: Yes, I appreciate it. In addition to the network stuff I'm doing, uh, my good friend Brian Boyle has played in the league a long time. We know each other since our college days in New Jersey. Uh, We have a new podcast coming out soon, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. We've got some episodes under our belt. We're just trying to polish them up a little bit before we send him out so hopefully by december 1st uh it's called one-time all-stars because he and i were both just the one-time all-stars so as we like to say we were the the worst of the best so uh you know it's kind of a theme for our podcast we talk a lot about hockey obviously but more about life you know retirement parenting some of the stresses that come with being a hockey player that people may not realize so it's more of a lifestyle uh kind of pop culture with hockey mixed in type situation so hopefully a little bit different than uh what people have been listening to very cool Corey. thanks for doing this today man we really
1: appreciate it enjoy the game tonight and best of luck with everything moving forward you got it
2: guys thanks for having me appreciate it
1: yeah thanks for coming on we appreciate it as well that's cory schneider okay so let's get this straight former canucks goalie mm-hmm. nhl network analyst msg or as andy calls it mgs, MGS network, analyst, uh and a podcaster so he's got it all going on. He's There's got to learn his
3: audience a bit more though, going with Ottinger as his pick. You either you know, gotta go with Demko. No, or, you, you, I even would have accepted Jari, you, you know, Delta BC's Christian Jari. He's gotta know who he's well, talking he, to. But he was already. talking about Americans. Yeah. Oh, is it just strictly yes. me? Okay, I missed the I missed that. So, so, ball, so, like so that like would it. have been really that off would the be, board. well Demko still stands up. Yeah, he's but you, you gotta respect the integrity. He's not True. pandering.
1: I I love a good pander. So I, I and I set it up on a platter for him. Like Corey, just say just say Demko. Just say Demko. <laughs> say the line, Corey. Say the line. We didn't get him to do the Hansen.
0: Yeah, by the way, yeah. everyone texting and asking for him to do his Yannick Hansen uh impersonation. Yeah. He came on with Dranson and I cannot talk like I don't know a month ago when he whenever his retirement was announced. I remember. And we did force him to do it at gunpoint. You should have so. got
3: him to do Hansen telling people to boo Horvath. Exactly. <laughs> I, think,
4: <laughs> I think he should be required to answer one question in the As Yannick, Yannick Hanson voice yeah. every hit. That should be part so of it. So if
0: that. you're really desperate to hear it, you can go back. You you can find the episode. You can listen yeah. to it.
1: What's there. the best way to kill a bit? Oh, I know. Make the guy for, force him into doing do it, it over and over, yes. and over
0: again. Exactly. Over and Say over. Say the
1: line, Corey. Say the line. Um, okay. That, that conversational with the American goalies, we bring it up all the time because, I mean, the Vancouver Canucks have the best American goalie tandem in the NHL, right, with the Smith and Demko. So it's obviously something that's a, re- a recurring theme, given that both of the goalies are playing exceptionally well and are American. We've always had the very like quiet, uncomfortable conversation that if you had to pick
3: a starter for Team Canada Oof. right now, who would it be? Like, would it be Aiden Hill? I think Carter Hart still gets Carter, most Hart, of the look. Aiden Hill, yeah. Tristan I mean, Jari, Logan Thompson's up there.
1: Jari's hurt right now, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the interesting thing is, like, you talk about the, you're like, are we still talking ourselves into Jordan Bennington? The lack of options no. for Canada, and then you go to the Americans right now, hellabuck Ottinger, Demko. Hey, Joseph Wall. Is that the Vesna list or is that the. (laughs) John Gibson, Jeremy Swayman. You know, there are, there's a lot of guys. It's really not fair. (laughs) Sorry? It's really not fair. I know. And then do the Russians. (laughs) The Russians, (laughs) yeah.
0: Vasilevsky, Sorokin, Shosturkin.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. good Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's a Canada problem quickly. Okay. Uh, We got a lot more to get into on the Halford and Bruff show featuring Jamie Dodd here on Sportsnet 650. Final half hour of the program. Uh, Jamie's got what we learned. Andy's got a what we learned. Greg has a what we learned. I don't. I didn't do my homework. Uh, We've also got humanoid what we learns and a pair of tickets to give away. Saturday's game, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena, Canucks, Kraken. Best what we learned is going to get them. Hashtag it WWL. Text to the Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. And here's the kicker. Put a ticket emoji into your text. That's the only way you can win. That's all coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
3: Big opinions and good bets. It's The People Show with Bick Nizar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God. This is always dead.
0: It's what we
4: learn, time. It's what we learn, time. It's what we learn, time.
1: On the show. 8.30 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruffs. No. Jimmy Dodd. He's here today. Yeah. He was here yesterday. He'll be here tomorrow. So we get... Boa Palooza together. We'll get to bask in the glow mm. or commiserate in the morning, depending on how tonight goes. Uh, Jamie Dodd's in tomorrow, and then I'm flying solo on Friday with the dogs. Well, wonder why Bruff tapped out of this week. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he thought this through, <laughs> if we're going to be perfectly honest. It worked out probably for him. I think the combination of crappy weather and the alarming lack of sunlight just it drove him <laughs> south of the border. <laughs> Okay, uh, final half hour of the, the program here. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. Uh, we are in hour three of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We have selected the winner of the tickets uh, Saturday's game, Canucks crack at 7 o'clock from Rogers Arena. We'll announce that in a minute. First, we're going to do our What We Learns. the guest of honor. He's in our house, even though it's your house too. Weird, weird analogy, Halford. Uh, Jamie Dodd, go.
0: What did you learn over the last 24 uh, so hours I, in sports? I think I stole this one from uh, from A-Dog. Again. again. <laughs> but what I learned this morning was that the NHL classically, as they so often are with their finger on the pulse of, of pop culture, rolling out... Their digital collectibles NFT platform today, NHL Breakaway, officially launched today in partnership with the NHLPA uh, and the NHL Alumni Association and the NFT collectible platform suite. So there you go. If you've been desperately waiting to buy NHL NFTs this whole time, you can go do it from NHL Breakaway, the NHL. Just in time, getting in on the NFT craze. I Why this.
4: launch this two years ago when NFTs are all the rage? No, let's wait until they're absolutely That's what worthless. Yeah,
0: okay. let's wait until they
4: have
1: zero value. Then we'll launch our NFT. Platform. They're like, oh no, the NFT of a smoking monkey. I lost all my money in that. However, <laughs> the NFT of the hockey players are coming. That'll make everything better.
0: <laughs> they're gonna catch the second wave of the NFT boom. Yeah, here. it's coming back. I can feel it. Why don't like? I get it. Maybe there's some development time, or, or but other companies were able to roll it out a lot quicker, but like, don't you just have to scrap it? Isn't it better? Isn't it better to avoid the public relations embarrassment of rolling it out at this point, this does feel like a project that took a long time getting completed. Yeah. 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 And, and they're just during- half
1: halfway through it. They're just like, Oh no, Well, they
0: said they announced it in, tw- in 2022. So like we're almost at the end of 2023. Yeah. So like bare minimum 12 months and yeah. maybe at the time, but you still thought NFTs were going to be a thing. But at this point, just let it die. Don't tell people about it. Um, All of the
1: buzzwords in here—it's—it's actually sets a record. This is like a a virtual TED talk in a press release. It is so they list some of the highlights, including gamification, which is not a word, nor should it be in, in, in the lexicon of anybody. But here, this is this is where the NHL is right now. Quote. Gamification introduces challenges for completing sets within categories like highlights and collectibles, team sets, and NHL player sets with opportunities to earn rewards such as real-life NHL experiences and exclusive packs of non-real NHL experiences. I feel sad for the league that this is going on. I really wish, it, as you said, they would have just been like, you know what? We sunk some money into this. That's what's called a sunk cost. We yep. should just move along. Move on. It's and great I- for
0: comedy, though. So, I mean, it can't be all. Also, uh, David Lehansky of the NHL says uh, NHL breakaway is an unparalleled Digital experience, yes, because no other league will do this. <laughs> <laughs> We're the only league still doing it. Tune into twenty twenty four when the
1: NHL releases its own line of uh, online currency, yeah, yes. so that'll be fun. Right, I hear
0: Pogs are coming back, yeah, and NHL Pogs. Can
1: I get five thousand NHL babies. bucks, please?
0: You know what, people would be into NHL Pogs if they if just out of nowhere. I have NHL, We're NHL like, Pogs. Here is some NHL. Pogs. I own NHL Pogs. The nostalgia factor would kick in yeah, for sure. Pogs that would Got to make a comeback, I do say. I'm it,
3: pretty sure it, I have a Mark yeah. Fitzpatrick Islanders Pog. Somewhere. Oh yeah, those yeah. are famous and popular. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Mook out. Uh, a dog. You're up. Yeah. This is exciting for
4: Simpsons fans. The Simpsons uh, co-creator James L. Brooks uh, has told People magazine that Homer Simpson will continue to get aggressive with his son. Nothing's getting tamed. Oh, he says nothing, nothing, nothing. He'll continue to be strangled, <laughs> if you want to use that awful term for it. He'll continue to be loved by his, awful his father in a term. specific way. So yeah, don't worry. Simpsons fans, Homer's still going to be strangling Bart. Wow.
1: How many people are still watching the show actively? I mean, it's on its, what, 37th season to or something? To like monitor the, the strangle per 60 ratio. People still
4: watch it. It's got a whole new really? generation of fans. Oh, I mean, it's been going
0: on for how like over three decades. So, But also, like for how many people was that the highlight of the show? I've watched a lot of Simpsons. I too. And like, you know swapped lines back and forth with people i don't think it's ever like hey no. remember that specific instance where he strangled bart like yeah. it's not really i get it it's a bit it's part of it but it's not like the most it's not like the highlight no. of it i don't know um yeah they they uh was it
1: cameron no what's his name the guy that they got the the statement from his, his name is James stupid, L. Brooks. James L. Brooks, thank you. Um, he he actually accused the media of running with clickbaity headlines because they took an actual line from the script and thought that that was sacrosanct when it was just a clever joke that the Simpsons writers were making.
3: Well, as clever as they can be in season
0: 48. Huh? Uh, so you run out of that ideas. That dastardly media. Uh,
3: yeah, cow that. <laughs> Laddie, you're up. All right, this is uh, what we learned a clip that went viral last night. Uh, a lot of people learned that the Buffalo Sabres play O Canada before every home game. They didn't know that. That's right. But they might want to look into vetting their anthem singers a little bit more. Take a listen to what happened last night. The true North, strong and free. O oh, Canada, we stand our eyes. We stand on God for thee. God keep alive. Yeah, that's th- that's not the lyric. No.
1: So no, you kind of fumbled that one. I love a good anthem screw up. He just went with it.
3: He just rolled with it, baby. Uh,
1: Very rarely do you see someone power through like that and get back into the original proper lyrical Mm. form.
3: He landed Um, it. He stuck the landing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like Carrie Strug. She's got the bad ankle, but she's still going to land the landing. Like, this is this guy in anthem terminologies. I don't know how you can go so far off the lyrical guidance and then get it back on track. Because usually... When you go astray, as someone that speaks yeah. for a living, trust me, I called it a dorsh this morning. I meant to say Dash, and I called it a dorsh, and I couldn't power through. It ruined
0: the entire read. What uh, What's your favorite anthem screw-up of all time?
1: Uh, the guy from the CFL yeah. game, the Oh, Christmas Vegas. tree guy. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. Carl Lewis breaking when he tried to go too high a falsetto, and then he's uh-oh. like, uh-oh. <laughs>
0: he's like, I'll get it back for you now. And then, he, spoiler, he
1: did not get it back for us now. <laughs>
0: I That's think, a good one. I don't know if it's a screw up or just a bad performance, but Fergie at the mm-hmm. NBA All Star Game. Because the yeah. thing I love about that is the NBA players the desperately reactions. trying not to laugh. You can tell like Draymond Green and, has everything in his power. Yeah, Draymond Green is is great because you can tell at, at first he's just like zoned out and not really paying attention, and then he like is like, wait, what's going on? And like can't, can't if, stop laughing. If you watch about the it.
3: clip of this one from Buffalo the other day, the, they're panning the crowd yeah. when he goes off the course, and the faces on the the fans and the, the players, it's just like. What is happening right now? This By the way, I had no idea that they played the
0: Canadian anthem every game yeah. in Buffalo. Yeah, it's uh,
3: Buffalo's right across the border, right? So it's it's not like Seattle where you got to drive a whole bunch of time to get there. Sure. It's, it's right there. And a huge chunk of their season ticket fan base are Canadians. Right, so they play yes, it every game.
1: Yesterday's game was Boston-Buffalo. Yeah. I would, as someone that I, I love a one anthem night, I'm not big on the two anthems. I just, I, the whole thing, mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, I If I was going to a game between two American teams and I had to sit through two anthems, I would be irate. I don't even want any anthems.
0: Yeah. Let alone two. It's completely unnecessary. But when 40% one. of the
3: building Dylan, is Canadian, they appreciate let's, it, let's I guess. Just get this but guy. I don't expect to do is... just
0: sing the anthem everywhere I go. It's like, excuse me, I'm Canadian. Are you going to be performing O Canada? <laughs> They're here? playing hockey. That's our game. They got our do?
3: anthem with the lyrics wrong. Okay? Well, there's some Canadians
0: in the building. What do you expect us to do? There's well, it has got to
1: be like a ratio between distance from the Canadian border to how many times you play the anthem. I think that's what you got to do is you got to sing them both at the same time. I've said Concurrent this many anthems. times. Yes. Yeah. Sing them together. I like it. Overlapping each other and just go for it. Okay. Uh, Mukau that. Ah. Uh, we mentioned Draymond Green briefly there. I, I my what we learned is that Draymond was at the center of a, a brouhaha mm-hmm. in the NBA An actual last one, night. Yeah. yeah. What a scrap between the Golden State Warriors and the Minnesota Timberwolves, a fight that involved three ejections and a full on chokehold that Draymond Green threw on Rudy Gobert. Uh, it happened early one. Know how tempers could get that flared a minute and 43 seconds in but clay thompson and jaden mcdaniels got into it they were grabbing at each other's jerseys and then mcdaniels took it a step too far he grabbed clay's jersey and ripped it down and then
0: all hell broke loose
1: the minute
3: 43 things interesting I think we could piss bruff off a minute 43 yeah. into a show enough to get him to just go off? absolutely i bet we could I I be bet you guys could do it i think we could do it but yeah. it'd be hard
0: it was zero zero like
3: literally nobody <laughs> it was like the game had basically nothing nothing not happened. started yeah so, they both suck. Let's just
1: fight. <laughs> after McDaniels and uh Clay Thompson got into it, Rudy Gobert jumped in to try and break things up. And then Draymond Green just came in from behind and rear naked choked Rudy Gobert. Like that was yeah. he had the forearm underneath the chin, right? And it looked like Gobert was going to tap out. Anyway, three ejections, Thompson, Green, and McDaniels. It was a problem for the Warriors cuz uh Steph Curry was already sitting out. With a sore knee. So they had no
0: players available. And then they lost 104 to 101. it was wild, sorry, but no, it was no. uh, Draymond just like the length of time he had Gobert in the in yeah. the choke. People would be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Like, stop, some, and he's still going. Well, there was some, you know, okay. Gobert was maybe getting involved with Clay Thompson, and Draymond was trying to come to Clay's defense. It's like, well, okay, that will fly if you put the guy in a chokehold for like a second. Mm. If you're if you have him locked in, cinched in for like 15 seconds, dragging him around the court, it's like I don't think that's in defense of your teammate anymore at that point. It's Draymond doing Draymond thing. I believe that's the second ejection that he's
1: had this week. It's gonna to get to the level of review from the I guess the NBA's Department of Whatever, player safety or what have you. Um the, the visuals on it, and I know this is an audio medium and not a visual medium, so it's hard to describe, but Jamie's got it right. Like it looked like it wasn't be, it went way beyond yeah. just like a headlock like it you know when a bouncer's throwing a drunk college kid out and he's like I'm going to just choke him out for like 60 to 90 seconds just to send a message right that's kind of what it looked like.
0: And it, my favorite part of it was uh, Draymond was like also he, he was in defense mode like he had his chin clenched down onto his chest to like protect himself from getting <laughs> in a rear naked yeah. choke from somebody else. He was really really in fight mode there. Uh Ah! I
1: know we got to get to the winner. We got to print everything out. But kudos to the person who pointed out when we were talking about the greatest anthem fails of all time that we haven't mentioned Mark Donnelly. You've seen that one, right? Oh, he, when they yeah, fall, he and, and when he fell, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he just eats the biggest bag of crap when he's trying to skate. But, but up he also the stuck
3: the landing too because he kept rolling with it, right? That yeah, was hilarious.
1: Yeah, it was the clip. bravado in which he was skating. He's like, "Look at me, I can skate." Wow! Oh, There's oh, a carpet man. there. Yeah, so if, you're, so... if you're going to bail, you got to ninja roll into the finale. That's the rule. It was pretty great. Anyway, okay. Uh, let's fire up the dot matrix, print out some humanoid submissions. <laughs> what we learned, humanoid time, is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation. At $200 off, visit them online at GetFirePlan.com.
4: Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan!
1: Andrew, can you uh, announce the winner of today's, uh, oh, the tickets to see the Kraken and Canucks on Saturday?
4: Yeah, congrats to Chris. What we learned, ticket emoji. Alex Ovechkin is 69. Nice. Goals behind Gretzky with 69. Nice. Games left. Oh, yeah. His lifetime plus minus is plus 69.
1: Very nice. Wow. Congrats to Chris. Chris, you earned that. That was one of the nicest texts we've ever received. It was a nice text. Enjoy your time at the game on Saturday. Maybe tell them how you got the tickets. That'll be a fun one. He way has to a explain. nice time. Yeah. Bring a 69 sign in. <laughs> yeah, <that's
4: right>. Sir, <laughs> please leave. No, no, no. I have a story about <laughs> it. He just turns it, it up Turn
3: upside down. It's 96. <laughs> can't pick me out now, now can you? Yeah. Number. It's a Guzmango number. Can a number yeah. be considered offensive? Just the number. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you're going to need to explain. Also, yeah, again. Give me some please context, leave. please. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's dive into the in-basket here. Everyone get their what we learns humanoids ready. Uh, Brandon in Vancouver with a what we learned. Hashtag WWL what we learned. We can't be sentimental when building a team to win. Bo was a great leader, person, and member of our community and a good player. But our team now is better having moved on from him. And that's ultimately what matters. This current management group, this current executive group uh, to kind of work And move to, you know, multifaceted, you move on from Horvat. you Mm -hmm. accumulate the picks, you go get Hironic. I know early days still, but that sure looks like a move identified early in the process. Like, we are not going to commit to Bo Bo Horvat long term. We're going to move it a different way with the leadership group. We're going to use him to address our blue line, albeit through a third party. It looks like they knocked that one out of the park. I am I am more than willing to give them credit, even though it is early days, for improving the team, taking a bad, potentially controversial situation in like, well, he's our captain. He's been yeah. here for a long time. He's scoring goals at a, at, a, at a wild clip to address that area of need. You're right. You can't be sentimental when building a
0: good team, Brandon. So kudos on you. Good what we learned. Yeah. And again, it's such a fascinating part of this, which is that almost I don't think I've seen a single person the last two days we've been talking about this saying, oh, man, they should have kept Bo. Like, everyone for just from, take all the emotions and the comments out of it just purely from a hockey standpoint, especially once the Miller extension was signed. I think everyone saw the writing on the wall and what had to be done. And you're right. Mm-hmm. Kudos to the management for going out and not just making the trade that everyone felt felt had to be done, but then flipping those assets. And again, early days working out. So, uh, so far here with the uh, Philip Pronick deal, uh, Cameron from Abby says what we learned with the loss to Colorado a couple days ago, it's becoming pretty clear that this year is likely not Seattle's year. We have yet to get a legitimate competitive rivalry with Seattle as either both teams are bad or only one of them is good. I'm looking forward to having them eventually as a fierce rival It has really not, for a bunch of reasons, some of which Cameron outlines there, the rivalry has not gotten off the ground at all.
1: So when Bruff and I first took over morning show duties here and we were laying out what we wanted to do with regards to recurring guests, Mm -hmm. you know, things that we wanted to develop, I just assumed that we were going to need a Seattle Kraken regular, regular, like we were going to have someone on bi-weekly because that's what was going to be the next great chapter in this Canucks lineage is we finally have a geographic rival right down the road. And it was going to be, it was just going to be like hand in glove, foot in shoe. Like it was going to fit. It was going to work. Hasn't even come close. COVID played a role hundred yeah. percent, but it just, it hasn't materialized. We've had various Seattle cracking guests on the show uh, the most animated of them, Dave Softy Muller, And he's tried his best to stoke the rivalry by saying how much they Tyler Myers for the Maddie. Matty- it was the Maddie Veneers hit, right? And we just were kind of like, yeah, I'm not feeling it. I forgot about that. Yeah. Like, you know, as much as we think. Oh, well, yeah, he did do that. As much as we, like, sometimes we'll go for the cheap heat in radio just to kind of get the mm. energy and atmosphere going. Even though it was a bridge too far for us because it felt, Fake. It felt put on. The
0: the rivalry is not real right now. It's too bad. Well, what's the most notable moment that's happened between the Seattle Kraken and Vancouver Canucks? It's the most heartwarming NHL story in years, right? Right. Like that, right? Off ice, it is. If you think about okay, Kraken and Canucks moments, it's that.
1: I didn't. It's the opposite of a fierce rivalry because I went right to the on ice stuff. Yeah, and I was like, maybe, but I'm not gonna lie. When Softy first brought up the hit, I had totally forgotten that Myers took out Beneers like it was it was, our text a, it was box. a blip. Yeah, are all like, you know? "Whoa, yeah, yeah." We're like, "Oh yeah, I guess he did do that, right?" But that's funny. Yeah, the the, the off ice stuff and the heartwarming nature of it has been,
0: uh, overshadowed anything on the ice for sure. Uh, this one from uh, Gabe in Calgary. What we learned: a Bo Horvat J T Miller fight would complete my hashtag the start. God, I bingo even, card. I did not even think. I about don't that. know if if. Like our station, the inbox, social media is has the infrastructure to handle the volume of the takes. <laughs> Should there be a JT be, Miller, yeah. Bo Horvat fight? I never in wanted
4: this something game. so bad in my life. I wasn't even thinking about this possibility, but oh my goodness. Five
3: career fights for Bo Horvat? He hasn't fought since 2021.
1: Yeah. You know what though? When he fought, he was good at it. Emery, he beat the Tara. I think it was Noel Achari. And just like tuned him up real good.
3: That was one of his first
1: fights, yeah. And I think he fought. I think he he, I'll say he this. Also fought
3: Darnell Nurse.
1: Yeah, he fought a couple Bruins. I think he understood the the, the Charlie Coyle. Yeah, he fought Charlie Coyle as well. Like I, for a guy that did not fight that much, I seem to recall Horvat being a pretty good fighter. If he was to do that tonight, yeah, we don't oh have. My we do not have the capabilities to deal with how amazing for, that would be. Brofs gonna fly back from Mexico and kick me off the show if yeah, Horvat and Miller fight tonight. Yeah. People will be people that would otherwise never come on this show will be requesting to come on this show yeah. to talk about it. So now that that's out there, I really want it to happen. Can we talk about it? Can we talk it into existence?
3: Can we manifest it? I think we should try. We we should. What we learned from Kevin in Port Moody. I learned that PWHL keeps fumbling everything. So what's going on I think everything might be a bit of a stretch, but the New Jerseys they put out are awful. I don't know if you guys saw them well, on social I thought, media. Wasn't
0: there suggestion that they could start the season without names or logos yeah, for the well, teams? Which there was, is like,
3: what? There was a trademarked bunch of names that came out. They were all awful. Everyone assumed there was the PWHL. And they were all awful, as you mentioned. There was like Ottawa Alert, which I guess has some historical significance. But they're all singular names, which is just brutal. Rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Uh, Uh, And then they come up with these jerseys where none of these names appear. So they either scrapped all of those names and are just going with the city names. And all the jerseys are literally just the base color of what they're going with for each team. And then the city name in a diagonal across the chest. That's it. Uh, there and, are
1: there are a lot of people who have covered the women's game for quite a while who are wildly underwhelmed at this rollout. Yeah, is that there was a real sense of excitement, especially following the draft, but it certainly right now seems as though very last minute they're just not ready to do yeah. this right now. Training camps are set to open today. Players are dropping mistaken.
3: out still. Like there's players that are getting job offers that pay more than this league, so it's not. Not a great look. to start. Like Your first impression might be your only impression yeah. in a case like this. So coming out with these generic, boring jerseys just it's a just huge whiff. On not being able to meet the bar of like basic professionalism. And I look, I've never
0: rolled out a startup sports league, but like this is this is day one. Not with that. Yeah. Not with that <laughs> but this is yeah. the stuff people
3: care about, right? So if you yeah. are rolling out, you guys a heard league, of a little
0: like, thing called the NBA. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> this is oh, wow. this is the
3: front-facing <laughs> part of your organization essentially, and this is what you just decide. You it's go it's this. embarrassing. Yeah.
1: Speaking of the National Basketball Association, the NBA. We've got an unsigned text here, so it must be from Gary. Gary's what we learned is the NBA is taking this meaningless trophy way too seriously. So last night was another iteration of the NBA Cup, the in-season tournament that is going on. And they, okay, we played that audio from Adam, don't call me David Silver the other day, where he briefly, briefly mentioned Vancouver as a potential expansion team. The reason he was doing the media rounds is because he is going out and really talking Mm. up this in-season tournament. They are making a big push to make this beyond some sort of novel exhibition that might only last one year. So Silver's... Um, explanation for why they want it. And he's now got it a, a two-pronged approach. One is all the European players that they've got in the league in this global expansion, they all recognize that during a season, especially in European football, you have multiple competitions. So that the goal is to win multiple trophies, not just one. He also likened it for collegiate players when their season is made up of, well, you go to a tournament over Christmas break. You know, you go to the Maui Invitational or whatever. And then before March Madness, you play in your conference tournament. So there are a lot of trophies and titles to be won along the way. Now, the NBA, it's tough because they couldn't schedule any extra games. Right. They have to turn regular season games into also this is an in-season tournament game. How do they make it look different? Uh, they make the courts look like a kaleidoscopic nightmare. It <laughs> looks like a pop tart. They make the courts unpleasant to look at. <laughs> Some of them are kind of cool. Some of them are too technicolor. It's too much. There's, they're they're too bright. It looks very strange. I'm but too that, old for this. But I'll say this. From a an eye-catching visual perspective, mission accomplished. Because you know what... Everyone now knows what an in-tournament game looks like, right? As opposed to a regular season Well, game. you could
3: be ripping through your social media feed and... Hey, you know what you're yep. looking at when you see yeah. a colorful you might not. You
1: might not know the rules of the tournament. You might not know how it works or what the point of it is, but you know what it looks like, and that is something that they have to be given credit
0: for. And if, if, if players, I haven't noticed that players are starting to take it seriously, but if they do, that's a huge feather in the cap for the NBA to get these guys to buy in extra to these regular season games. Okay, folks, it is now upon us. When we say goodbye...
1: You get to enjoy the rest of Boa Palooza. We've been waiting for this day all season long. It was one of the ones we circled on the calendar. Bo Horvat is back tonight, seven o'clock, Rogers Arena. A reminder: keep it tuned to Sportsnet 650 all day for wall-to-wall Canucks coverage, including pregame and postgame. All right here on Sportsnet 650. For now, though, we got to say goodbye. Signing off. I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jamie Dodd. He's been a dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I'm not afraid to